welcome back to Dad Teaches Me About Wine. Uh, I'm Madeline Quigley. And I'm Matt Quigley. So I've been actually trying to think of like a tagline for the show. Just a quick sidebar. So when you put a podcast on iTunes, which actually is a nightmare. You'd think that it's 2017 and that'd be an easy thing to do. And it's like relatively Are easy. Are you recording this? Yeah. Uh, yeah, don't worry. Everyone gets to hear this part. Um, it You'd think it'd be like a kind of easy thing to do. It's not. There's like, uh, it's a, there's some hurdles you got to work through. And it took me, and I like to think I'm like pretty tech savvy. I, one time I got a call back for an interview at the Apple store. And yet... It took me like days to figure out how to do this. It's really hard. Anyways, well, but my point I is that... I salute you. Thank you. Um, my point is that when you're filling out all the literal paperwork to put a podcast on iTunes, uh, they ask you like, what's your title? What's your subtitle? What's your tagline? What's your description? So I had to fill out all these like forms and come up with all this stuff on the fly. So the thing I was calling it was podcast name, Dad Teaches Me About Wine, subtitle... Uh, a podcast if you want to know as much as you pretend to know about wine. Do you like that? Mm-hmm. I haven't gone over it yet with you. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's kind of what we're... I thought, it was, I thought it was clever. Okay. Oh, you've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's what I had to do because well, iTunes was literally like, hey, I need you to like come up with like 50 different ways to, to categorize this episode. Um, so yes, welcome back to Dad Teaches Me About Wine, a podcast that teaches you as much as you pretend to know about wine. Um, today we are covering, welcome back, episode two, we're covering a topic equally as basic as episode one today. Uh, do you think it's, I guess it's a little more advanced. Um, episode one was, what is wine? Yeah, I think we're still crawling. We're still crawling. Yeah, uh, we have one giant baby step. Um, is episode two. Dad, what's episode two? The wine label. Yes. Reading a wine label. The first thing. Uh, you, well, actually, it's not the first thing you notice about wine. The first thing I notice is the price. But um, as usual, we are drinking for every episode because we're crazy like that. Dad, what are we drinking today? Today we're having a 2014 Testarossa, Pinot Noir, Santa Lucia Highlands, Fogstone Vineyard. Santa Lucia, he just read everything on the label, P.S. Uh, Santa Lucia Highlands, that's some good stuff. It is. I, I hope you enjoy it. Mm. So that's that obviously good. a lot of verbiage uh, on the label, but it actually tells you a lot if you know what you're looking for. And by just looking at this label, it allowed me to know that this wine more likely than not was going to be a very good wine so how did i know that because there's like a small drawing of a um stone hut and it looks pretty classy um that might have been one of the clues (laughs) but it was not (laughs) why what what about this label and what's written on it made you realize this was going to be a good bottle of wine so In the United States, the label will designate the type of grape that's being used, typically, unless it's a blend. And it will tell you where that grape came from and if it came from a specific vineyard. 
And the important rule of thumb, and I think that almost all of life can be reduced to a couple of rules of thumb. The important rule of thumb is that the more specific the label is in terms of where the wine comes from, the better the wine will be. So, in other words, last weekend I was in the Pennsylvania wine store and the nice lady was giving out samples of some type of Cabernet and I looked at the bottle and the Cabernet said American. Oh, wow. Which meant that the grapes could come from anywhere in these 50 United States. North Dakota's finest. Exactly. Now, tasting the wine, I would have imagined that probably most of it came from Paso Robles, which is an area in California. But the truth is... Legally, Not everyone's you, Dad. The truth is, legally, they could have put anything in the United from the United States. Actually... Only 80% of the wine had to be from the United States. 20% could have been from elsewhere. Wait. Because, because there's an 80-20 rule. Wait, so like it literally just said American. It said American Cabernet. Yes. Okay. All right, so. So this wine. Legally, that was chill though. Well, it gave them a lot of latitude in terms of what they put in that bottle. But I would have just been like, oh, cool, it's American. But you're telling me, be skeptical, Madeline. <laughs> Well, what I'm telling you is that if they're giving you large geographic areas, it's probably not going to be very good. Hey, this is a red wine from planet Earth. Take a sip. Yes, precisely. Or California. There's another. That one's tricky because not everyone realizes that everyone sees California and they're like, they think it's all, you know, Napa Valley. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, you can get on, um, is it uh, Highway 4, is it, that runs north-south? It's Highway 1, I'm pretty sure. Well, no, that's on the, uh, that's on the water. But the, the, um, the actual high-speed, you know, six or eight-lane interstate. Oh, yeah, Highway 1 takes five ever. Yeah, you'll pass vines for hours. Mm-hmm. And all, that, all those grapes are classified as either Central Coast or simply California. Oh, they're not good. Well, they might be okay, but you are unsure unless you actually taste it. You have no idea what you're going to get. On the other hand, this label is telling me, first of all, that it's Testarossa. So Testarossa is a producer. That is the guy who, that's the name of the company, the guy, who made the wine. Now, it turns out that Testarossa actually doesn't own any vineyards, but is a, a what was used to be called a garagista, a guy who made wine in his garage. But it turned out he was very good at it and now has a, has a very large facility. But Testarossa has contracts with top producers of grapes and makes wine. So this is Testarossa's wine. And then he tells you it's Pinot Noir, which is a particular grape. And then he tells you it's Santa Lucia Highlands. So the Santa Lucia Highlands is a AVA, which we talked about we in talked the first about episode. We talked about episode one, but again, if you want to you know, refresh our listeners with a 15-second right. explanation. American Vinticulture Area. So, An area code for wine. Well, a specific area code. Every 
Every square foot of the United States has an area code, but not every square foot of the United States is an AVA. Only areas that produce wines of distinction Dope wine. get to be AVAs. So among its other responsibilities, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. The fun department. Yeah, it, sh- yeah, it, sh- it should be a convenience store, <laughs> somebody said. Um, establishes AVAs and people petition to get their area okay. contr- uh, called a special area. And Santa Lucia Highlands is one, and it's in Monterey. Is that where the grapes are grown or where he makes the wine? No, it is all of the description is where the grapes are grown. See, that's what's nuts because 2011, which is the year on the bottle, I believe. 14. Okay. Can't even read numbers. Um, Anyways, 2014 is the year the grapes were harvested. Correct. has nothing to do with when he made the wine. Well, he probably made it pretty fast. Well, yeah, there's limits because of the biology. You can't just let it sit around for years before you get around to it. (laughs) This isn't like writing a novel. (laughs) I'm busy right now. Like, I'll get to this when I get to it. Well, if you get to it when you get to it, you'll have vinegar. Okay. My question, though, is he produces it... it would say Santa Lucia Highlands because that's where the grapes are grown, but he could be making this in Florida. In Yes. But does he have the advantage of being nearby? Well, I happen to know, yes, that he's nearby. But he could be anywhere and you wouldn't. it wouldn't even say that on the bottle. That is correct. This could be made in North Dakota. As long as the grapes came from Santa Lucia Highland, he could put Santa Lucia Highlands. But is it more beneficial for him to be nearby to get the grapes sooner or right because grapes are perishable yeah. so you can't make wine too far away from where the grapes are produced okay so looking at this label so my dad the first thing he did was read everything on the label now i'm going to kind of go down so we can re-examine testarossa is the first thing on there that's the biggest word and we now know that is the guy who produced it maybe so, he didn't grow the grapes. He took the grapes and made the wine. Correct. But he gets to be the biggest word. Is there a regulation on that? Nope. Okay. After that, real tiny is Pinot Noir, which is the type of grape. Legally, that has to be on there. Nope. He chose to put that on there. Yes. But to put that on there, isn't there a restriction about it has to be at least 70% Pinot Noir grapes? Yes and no. Um, it depends on how focused the label is. So if he said Pinot Noir, California, it would only have to be 70%. But since he's telling you a vineyard, it has to be 90% from that vineyard. Oh, a little trick there. So if it just said Pinot Noir, California, it could be as long as it was 70% Pinot Noir grapes from California, that'd be cool. That would be legal. But because it was so specific, he can't. Right, because not only did he give you an AVA, which is the Santa Lucia Highlands, which is a part of Monterey, which is also an AVA. So this is a smaller AVA within a bigger AVA. Sub, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, He also told you a vineyard, Fogstone Vineyard. So this is maybe 20 acres of ground within the Santa Lucia Highlands. Okay. 
And that's at the very bottom. Yeah, so the so it says Pinot Noir, and then under that it says Santa, Santa Lucia Highlands. Does that have to be on there? It doesn't have to, but he'd be a fool not to put it there. Because it's VIP. It, it, right. It tells people like me, ooh, it's Santa Lucia Highlands. He could legally label it Monterey, or if he wanted to, he could legally label it California. All that, technically, all those grapes would conform to those rules. But, but he'd, he'd be an idiot to call it California when, in fact, it's Santa Lucia Islands. Which is like a... Which is a cachet name. Yeah. Among those in the know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, who? yeah, we all know. Anyways. Um, Fogstone Vineyard is where it was grown. And then what's in the red down there? I can't even see that. Uh, that's just a commercial Single thing. Vineyard. Yeah. Okay. Just their series. So, my what had to be on there? The the cal the location. It depends. What had to be on there legally it, for the United States? Yeah. What had to be on there was a function of what the winemaker wanted to do. So. What? Technically, the oh, winemaker okay. could have just simply said Pinot Noir. Could have just left it at that. But again, the whole point is he's going to, he wants to make as much money as he possibly can on each bottle of wine. So he wants to, to um, advertise how special and unique this wine is on the label. And he's allowed to do that because these grapes are special. They are unique. They come from a very small area of a very well-known area of California that's yeah. known for producing good Pinot Noir. But I thought you said he didn't have to put Pinot Noir on there. No, he doesn't have to. Okay. But doesn't each country have its own restrictions on what you have to put on the label? It depends on what you're trying to do with the label. So most of the time when people grow wine, they want to maximize the value of what they're doing. And in order to maximize the value of what they're doing, they're going to want to, to utilize the labeling laws to make their wine stand out if they possibly can. So if you have a single vineyard Barolo wine from Italy, you're not going to just call it wine of the country. You're going to tell people, this comes from Barolo. But to be able to say that, it has to conform to certain regulations. That is correct. So the big distinction is that in the United States, most labels are based on what we call varietal. So got them flashcards out. Here we go. This is a big one. You're going to hear it a lot. I'm surprised he hasn't said it already. So a varietal is the grape type. So those who are not in the know say grape. Those in the know say what is the varietal. What's your favorite varietal, Dad? That is correct. That's how you would say that. So in the United States, most bottles are going to tell you what the varietal is. In Australia, New Zealand, the labeling is going to be varietal. South Africa, it is varietal. However, in the old world, Spain, France, Italy, it is not varietal. It is location. It is where the grapes come from. 
and you're supposed to know yeah. what the varietals are. Well, that's what I think is so confusing is kind of like what the big word is on the bottle can be so misleading. Like when you, and I'm, I'm coming at it from a really just college shopper point of view. When I go in to buy a bottle of wine, you just assume the big word is like the most important. But the big word, depending on what the person felt like and what country the wine was produced in, could be so many different things. So I could look at, I mean, being an idiot, Testarossa, that could be a place to me. I don't know that that's a guy, you know? Like, I might think that that's a place. Yeah, it actually means redhead. Testarossa. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay. The the tiny, wonderful village of uh, redhead. Yeah, I know. So that's my point is like it, it can be so confusing picking or like scanning different labels because, you know, this one, the big word is a city. But on this one, the big word is just a guy and the word you're actually looking for is the tiny, you know, town that's just written down at the bottom. So you really got to go through... And on some, like you're saying, in other countries, on American wines, they usually say the type of grape? Yes, almost always. But in France, as you were saying, you have to know, they say the region it was grown in, or the right. producer. Can they say just the producer? Uh, they will ordinarily give you the name place first, because in France, that's the most important thing. Then usually the producer is going to be second, but the big thing on the label is going to be the name place. But you need to know what types of grapes are grown in that place. Yes. If it so, there's I, no way around it. So they have this big word, and to me, that could be the guy who made it. That could be where it's from. I mean, it's just it's almost like I'm even more just knowing that makes me more inf- intimidated. Yeah, it's like, but before it's kind of like you didn't even realize how little you know, you know. <laughs> You know, Dad? I didn't even realize how clueless I was. I just thought, okay, $9.99 sounds like I can afford it. Well, that's why you cannot jump into the ocean. You have to put your toe in and slowly start to learn about these things. You got to get some two-buck chuck. You got to get some Franzia. Well, no. (laughs) I think you need to explore what you like. So, for instance... I happen to like Pinot Noir. Uh, I happen to like Pinot Noir uh, decades before Sideways came out. Oh my God, he's a Pinot Noir hipster. Yeah. Is what my dad is trying yeah. to say Pinot right Noir now. Pinot Noir before it was Pinot Noir. Oh my gosh. All right. So in France, for instance, the best Pinot Noir, the word Pinot Noir appears nowhere on the label. So the best Pinot Noir in France comes from Burgundy. And what you will see on that label are town names in Burgundy. Oh, my gosh. It won't even say Burgundy? Oh, well, it, it, at the very bottom, it'll say Vendée, uh, uh, Burger, uh, Killing it with the French accent yeah, right exactly. now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it'll, it's, it'll tell you that it's wine Burgundy. So it's a, a little tiny, but the big the big word will be like, Allo Corton. Again. And you're supposed to know that Allo Corton is a part of Burgundy, and of course they grow Pinot Noir that there. That is nuts. But do they grow more than Pinot Noir there? Does each place have more than one thing? So you need to know like not only like what region makes what wine or what villages within which region make which wine. The only wine that is going to have the region's name on it will be either Pinot Noir or Chardonnay. 
Now, they do make other grapes, but then the region's name doesn't appear on it. <laughs> but why, why can we call American wine Chardonnay? Uh, because of the labeling laws. It's, it's just a matter of truth and advertising. It's a matter of how we characterize what's in the bottle. And we have different laws than they do in other countries. But there isn't a wine in France where you will see the word Chardonnay appear on a label. Or if you do, it is a vin de pain. It is a wine that could be grown anywhere. If you see a bottle of French Chardonnay, it means it could be from anywhere in France. Okay, so the thing that he's trying to explain is that in the United States, the labels say usually the varietal, if you remember that vocab word, that means the type of grape. The producer is on there, usually because that guy wants to have his name on there. That's so American of us. Um, and some designation as to where it came from. And that could be as broad as literally America. Yes. Or as specific as one 20-acre lot in California. Correct. So those are the things that are going to be on an American wine label. P.S., little pro tip if you flip it around on the back sometimes you can see a little bit more of a breakdown right of what and a map and a map oh really <laughs> sometimes sometimes yeah yeah so so look in the back when you pick up a wine in the wine store and you want to impress someone turn it around look on the back of it usually it's just the warning about not drinking it when you're pregnant yeah but. that's actually true so but in other countries specifically european countries we have labels that are the big word the most prominent thing on the label is going to be a specific region of that country correct and you need to know what type of grapes are usually grown in that region to know what type of wine it is correct so you could see a big word and if without looking at the bottle you might not even know if it's a white or a red if you're not smart or informed correct like me like if you showed me a bunch of labels, like if we did, we should play a game one time where you just show me labels ripped off bottles and I can tell you if it's white or red. You'd have a hard time. Yeah, right? Would you? Well, I know most wine regions, so I know what they're growing. Well, how many wine regions are there? Oh, thousands. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like 50 and I'd be like, that I can do. Well, you know, it depends on how deep into the weeds you want to go. Uh, as far as world-class, known by everybody, it's probably 100, 150, something Per like that. country? No, 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 worldwide. Okay. So if, you know, somebody who's very accomplished is going to know something about maybe 100, 150 different regions. Oh, okay, that's, all right. Well, all right. What, is there anything else about a label that you think people... Well, the label is also going to tell you the alcohol content. Uh, the interesting thing Where? about... Where? I don't see that. It's, it's on there. It's usually in very tiny print. Um, in the U.S., the alcohol content can only be upwards of 14%, and then it's considered fortified wine. So it is then taxed differently. So... You will never see a wine label that says anything more than 14% alcohol. Even if. Even if, exactly. I've been to many wine events where the uh, producers 
especially Zinfandel, which is a grape that's grown in hot weather areas. Is it white? No. It's a red one. Gosh. Where Zinfandels will be uh, vinified up to 16, 16.5% alcohol. So, but they don't tell you that on the they label. They can't. Otherwise, they'd have to charge you more. God, you're totally like throwing these guys under the bus right now. <laughs> <laughs> the well, feds are going to listen to this and go after well, the, I think the, the feds. I think the feds know, but they're not going to go check the alcohol level on every bottle of wine. Uh, but the fact is that, um, especially with the way that wine is produced now and the, the grapes have very high sugar content, when you have high sugar content, you can extract a lot of alcohol but that's the other piece of information you'll find on the on the bottle but red wines tend to be more alcoholic than white wines some of the um, what we call cold weather grapes and we'll get into this in a in a different podcast about different the different grapes that go into wine mm-hmm. but uh, grapes like Riesling that are uh, used in places like Germany where it's kind of cool weather never gets all that hot the alcohol content stays relatively low, so it may be 10 or 11%. Wait, so the alcohol, uh, the amount that it can be alcoholic is determined by the grape beforehand? Well, it's determined by the amount of sugar in the grape, the concentration of sugar. And that is dependent on the weather? It's dependent on two things, the grape itself and the weather. So the more sun you have, the more sugar. The warmer it is, the more sugar that can be concentrated in the grape. So that warm weather grapes like Zinfandel, which tends to be grown in hot areas like Amador County in California, um, these tend to produce alcoholic wines because they have more sugar to begin with. Whereas Rieslings, especially like Rieslings from the Finger Lakes region of New York. Uh, That's a white. It, <clears throat> correct. Where it, never gets, where it never gets that <laughs> one for one. warm. I mean, it gets reasonably warm, but never really hot. Um, these are 9, 10, 11% alcohol. I don't like Riesling. Is it sweet? Um, it can be. Uh, unfortunately, at least from my standpoint, the folks in the Finger Lakes have kind of gone that route, made sweet wine, so there's a lot of residual sugar. I think the Rieslings that come from um, the Alsatian region or some German Rieslings can be good. Uh, They tend to be much drier. That is, most of the sugar has been converted to alcohol, so there's very little residual sugar. Fair enough. All right. Well, I think that's... that enough about labels? I don't know. Do you think that's enough about labels? Sure. I think that's a good breakdown about... I think even just... You know, as I've kind of pointed out, the first step is understanding the scale to which you are uninformed about something, right? So for me, even just understanding that there's more to the label than the big word, in that the big word is different in every country and the big word differs by who's producing it, is a huge step in the right direction. Even if I can't always read it, at least I know that what I'm reading is not what I think it is. And, and you need to understand that, especially in the old world in Europe, there are <laughs> numerous <laughs> laws underlying Settler. that label. Yeah. In oh, terms yeah. of what, uh-huh. they can, what they can say. 
So, yeah, okay, it's more specific in European wines. Well, to a certain extent, I mean, the United States has rules, but in Europe, uh, the rules tend to be even more uh, prescriptive in terms of what people have to do. Okay, wait, can you remind me? Okay, just quick quick sidebar, kind of related. Gewurz is a type of grape. Yes, Gewurz Tremanner. And that is grown in Europe, in like Germany and Austria and stuff? Mostly uh, Germany and the Alsatian part of France. Yes. Oh, so you would need to know. Is Germany similar where to know that it's a Gewurz, you'd need to know what region? Uh, no, in Germany, they will tell you the grape. Okay. And in Alsace, they will tell you the grape. <laughs> Thanks, Alsace. You well, it's only because Alsace used to be German that they tell you the grape. <laughs> okay. Well, another history lesson for another episode. I think that as far as labels go, we could talk about this for a long time. But as long as there are labels. Maybe we'll do a part two. If you guys are interested in a part two on labels, uh, go ahead and let us know. There's many ways to contact us. Uh, the best way to follow us for updates on things going on and potential live shows. Yeah, you heard that, right? Potential live shows. Um, would be to follow our Instagram, which is Dad Teaches Me About Wine. If you have any comments or suggestions or listener questions, we really would love uh, you guys to email in any questions you have to Dad Teaches Me About Wine at gmail.com. Other than that, please just subscribe and like and review us on iTunes. That would mean so much. Um, Dad, any final notes? Salute. Yeah. All right. Well, cheers to that. Until the next episode.